If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Scripture reading was from 1 Corinthians and talked about our bodies being a temple of the Spirit. Well, we are looking at the idea of the Spirit and how the Spirit is given. And we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here as our text for this morning, or where we're going to start from. This is a what we're talking about this morning. It is a topic that was requested, and as always, I appreciate the the requests that I get for sermons or ideas to things to preach. And as a reminder, anytime you have something that you would like to hear covered in a sermon, or maybe you have questions about something that that needs to be explained in more detail, or something like that. I'm always happy to accept those or, or to take those requests or those questions and then work on a lesson like this. That's what this lesson is here. So I just want to, since that's where this lesson came from, make that reminder here for any who who have other topics that maybe you'd like to hear a lesson on. Feel free to get with me on that. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to start by reading the first five verses of this chapter. Says, For we know that if the earthly tent which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that that which is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. There's another passage in Ephesians chapter 1 that also talks about the Spirit being given as a pledge. And we'll look at that passage here a little bit later in the lesson. But it talks about this idea of God giving the Spirit to us as a pledge. Well, what exactly does this mean? What When it says that, that God did this, what does that mean? How did he do this? Why did he do this? It's helpful for us to understand what Paul is talking about here. Because this is connected to our hope that we have. He talks about at the beginning of this chapter, the hope that we are looking forward to, the, the building that has been prepared by God. We are looking forward to that. Well, this is given for us to encourage us and to strengthen our faith and our hope that we are going to receive this reward. So he says he's given us the Spirit as a pledge. This lesson here today, we're going to look at what this means, what he's talking about here, and why the Spirit has been given, what that means, and what is the result of that for us. So to start with, I want to ask this question, well, what is a pledge? What is he talking about here when he says that, that God gave us the Spirit as a pledge? Different translations of the Bible use different words. Maybe you're using a different translation other than I'm reading from the New American Standard. It uses the word pledge. Some other translations use that word as well. But then there are other words that are used in different translations. The King James uses the word earnest. The ESV, English Standard Version, has the word guarantee there. The Spirit is a guarantee the Christian Standard Bible, which is a newer translation based on the Holman Christian Standard Bible, but it's a it's a newer translation. I have a copy of it, and for a lot of things, it's it seems like it's pretty good. 
it uses the, the term down payment here in, in this verse. It gives the Spirit as a down payment. And that, I think, at least for our thinking and the way that we use these terms, that is a helpful way to look at this. That the Spirit is given, in a sense, as, as a down payment for us. Typically, when we buy a house, we're going to put down a down payment. Most people don't have $100,000 or these days $300,000 or $400,000 lying around to purchase a house. Some people do, but a lot of people don't. And so they will put down a down payment that is basically acting as a promise that they are going to pay the rest of the amount and they are going to purchase that house. Or someone's moving into an apartment, they have to put down a security deposit in order to promise that they are going to keep up that apartment and they're going to make the payments on that apartment. But that's what, that's what this word means. It's a down payment that with that, it's not just money that's being transferred from one person to another, but it includes a promise with that, that the full amount will be paid in time. That's what is that's what it's referring to here. So when it talks about giving the Spirit as a pledge, and again, in this context, he's talking about this building that we have from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heaven. So when we think about when we put a down payment on a house that we're purchasing, it's the same type of idea. What's interesting about this is that we are not the ones putting the down payment on this. It's God who's giving the Spirit as a pledge. This is a promise for us that God is going to go through with what He has said He is going to do, provided that we remain faithful. So this is, when we read the word that this is a pledge, in different ways that we use the word pledge today, think of this as a guarantee or as a down payment. That's, that's the meaning of the word that is used here in this passage. Now, what was God's purpose for this? Because in verse 5, he says he prepared us for this very purpose. So it mentions God had a purpose in this. God prepared us for this purpose. Well, what was that? Well, he explained it in these verses. He explained that we would receive a house that is not made with hands there in verse 1. This is the context. This purpose is that we have, are in this earthly tent this house, we have that, but that's torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And that word there signals something else to us. That it's not just that we have a house. We might all live somewhere and someone says, well, I'm going to give you another house. or I'm going to provide you with another house. Well, we move out of our house that we're living in now and we move into that other house over there. But it might be nicer than the house we're living in now, but it's still just a house and it's still going to eventually fall apart it's going to to uh, not be as nice as it is now you don't see houses from 300 years ago you might see houses from 100 years ago or in different parts of the country but generally you don't see houses that are much older than that because they they don't last that long we have this house that is not made with hands, and it is eternal in the heavens. So this is not just a dwelling place like we might have here. This house is something that is going to last for eternity. This house that is not made with hands, it is eternal in the heavens. Verse 4, he says, While we are in this tent, we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed but to be clothed. So that which is mortal will be swallowed up by life. 
that we don't have this mortal life, this mortal existence anymore. We have immortality, that we have this eternal life that is offered. This is, God says he's prepared us for this very purpose, that we could have this dwelling place that is not made with hands and this life that is eternal in the heavens. Over in John chapter 14, Jesus promised his disciples that he was going to prepare this place. Same, same idea as what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 14, where he's saying, I'm going to prepare this place for you. John 14 and verse 2 says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare this place for you. And when this place is prepared, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That he is preparing this place so that we could be in it. And he said that this dwelling place is in my father's house. So he's emphasizing the fact that there is a closeness with God here. That's, this, that's key to what we're talking about in this idea of the Spirit being given as a pledge. And we'll talk about that more as we go on. But the, the place that Jesus is preparing says it is in my father's house. We have this building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And the Holy Spirit is given, in a sense, as a down payment. There's one translation of the Bible that I saw, because I was looking for other words that are that are used. You mentioned some, the earnest or the guarantee or the down payment. The New American Bible Revised Edition, which I don't believe I have a copy of it, but I've, I found the translation online, but... It uses the term the first installment. That this is the first installment of this. That this is the first payment that is made. That this guarantees, this is what we have now. That we have, we can look forward to this. We can be assured that we are going to have this in the end. Because the down payment's been made. The first installment's been made. That, there, that this is going to be paid for. So God's purpose is for us to be dwelling with him in heaven. That's what the goal is. That we would have this this house from him, a house that is not made with hands, that is eternal in the heavens. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But remember what we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 5, He who prepared us for this very purpose is God. And this was his purpose. It says, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge, as a down payment, or as a guarantee, the first installment of this. He gave the Spirit as a pledge. We are going to be in the Father's house. We are going to be with Him. And the first installment of this is, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be given as a pledge. So that brings up the question then, how is the Holy Spirit given? He says, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit as a pledge well, what does that mean? Is there a lot of different ideas that people have about what this could mean and, and how this is done? The first thing that we th- think about with the Holy Spirit being given, we can go back to when the church was established on the day of Pentecost. 
where you have in Acts chapter 2, when Peter convicted the crowd there of crucifying the Messiah, the one that was promised to come, and they realized that they had crucified the Savior. And so they asked in verse 37, Brethren, what shall we do? You remember the answer that Peter gave them in verse 38, where he said, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 5 says that God has given the Spirit as a pledge. Peter words it this way in Acts 2 and verse 38, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are going to be given to, given this. God is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what exactly is he talking about here? He mentioned already in that verse, you repent and, and are baptized, you will be forgiven of your sins. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is related to that. It's not exactly the same thing. You receive forgiveness, but then there's something else that happens now that you're forgiven. What is possible for us now that we have the forgiveness of sins? Well, again, we've already talked about this closeness with God. We, The Holy Spirit is given as a first installment or a down payment of the eternal home in heaven that is in my Father's house, Jesus said. Well, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was he talking about here? Well, verse 30 of Acts chapter 2, Peter quotes from Old Testament prophecies. It says, it says there in, in verse 30, And so, because he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. In verse 33, it says, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. The promise was made to David, one of your descendants would sit on the throne. And now, verse 33 says, he's been exalted, he is now in this place. Well, that prophecy there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 30 is from Psalm 132. And if you look at Psalm 132, it wasn't just about Jesus. He was calling their minds back to that, but it wasn't just about him. Psalm 132, verse 11 says, The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body I will set I will set upon your throne. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony which I will teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forever. So this throne, this place of, of authority, a place of rule, that Jesus is going to be there. But who else is going to be there with him? It's going to be those who keep his covenant, those who keep his testimony, those who keep his commandments. Peter said, the promise is for you and your children, as many as the Lord our God will call. You will be forgiven of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is this gift? Jesus is going to be on his throne. You are going to be with him. You are going to have fellowship with him. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's this fellowship with God. It's made possible because of the fact that we've been forgiven of our sins, which he said right before that next to in verse 38. And it brings with it the hope, the promise of eternal life. Because if we are have fellowship with God, we can look forward to being with him for eternity in heaven. That Jesus said, 
In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I'm going to prepare a place for you. The Holy Spirit is given as that down payment or that first installment. We're looking forward to have eternal close fellowship with God. The Holy Spirit is given so we can have fellowship with God now. The Holy Spirit can be given once our sins are forgiven because our sins separate us from God. But now that that has been taken out of the way, you've been forgiven of your sins. Now you can have fellowship with God. Now you can be one with Him. So you have the gift of the Holy Spirit that's given when we obey the gospel. When we repent of our sins, we're baptized and have our sins washed away. And also remember that the role of the Spirit was to reveal the will of God to us. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if we want to understand how the Spirit is this down payment or this pledge or this guarantee, we need to also understand the work of of the Spirit and how the Spirit is given to us. So a lot of people want to take this and say, well, the Holy Spirit, I've received the Holy Spirit, but it's somehow in their minds completely separate from what we're talking about here on this point with what the Spirit has revealed in the will of God. They ignore what the Word of God says, but they still think, well, no, I have the Holy Spirit and I've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what His role was was revealing the will of God. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7, Paul said, But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before ages to our glory. So the, the wisdom of God, it was hidden. It was a mystery before. But now, notice what he says in verse 10, For to us God revealed them, those things that were previously hidden. He revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of, man, of a man except the Spirit which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Spirit has been given to reveal the things of God, reveal the will of God, the mystery that was previously hidden. Peter talked about in 1 Peter chapter 1, about how the prophecies that were made, were not made by an act of human will, but men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke from God. The Spirit was revealing the will of God. The will of God is, or the Word of God, is what shows us what we need to do to please Him. It shows us how we can be in fellowship with Him. And what we, what we do in order to, to remain in fellowship with Him. But also a couple couple verses. One is in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Paul is giving admonitions to these Christians that the, some of the things that they were to do, some of the things they were to avoid. He says in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So on one hand, the Spirit is given as a pledge, but he's writing to Christians that you need to make sure you are filled with the Spirit. And of course, verse 19, we're familiar with speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and all of that. But it's in this context, it's be filled with the Spirit. Well, the parallel passage to that is over in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 16. And usually when we look at parallel passages, we're comparing Colossians 3.16 with Ephesians 5.19. But really, it's Colossians 3.16 compared to Ephesians 5. 18 and 19. 
Because we saw, he says, you be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then he goes on and talks about the different roles that we have, relationships that we have, which he also did in Ephesians 5 and on into chapter 6. These are parallel passages. When he told the brethren in Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. And he told the brethren in Colossae, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. He was not telling them two different things. He was giving them the same instruction. He's wording it different ways because it helps us understand, well, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to have the Word of Christ richly dwell within us? The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a pledge, but if the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in us, it's going to be because the Word of God dwells in us. Amen. The Word has to fill us if we want to be filled with the Spirit. So there, there's a responsibility on our part to continue to study, continue to meditate on the Word of God, to have it in our heart. Because otherwise we don't have the Spirit in our heart the way that we need to have it. And that's why you have some Christians, because they neglect the Word of God, they end up falling away or, or devaluing the hope that they have of eternal life Spirit's been given as a pledge, as a down payment of it, but they don't really think that's all that important anymore. They value the things of the world because too often they neglect studying and reading and meditating on the Word of God that's to ground them in this. They neglect that, and so then they let these others <coughs> slip. But then the Holy Spirit, when we think about how the Holy Spirit is given and what the Holy Spirit does. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the Spirit dwelling in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse six or verse sixteen, excuse me, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, "Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and the church and the Spirit of God dwells in you?" He's writing to the church as a whole. The Spirit is dwelling in you. This is where we approach God. This is where we worship God. Again, this idea of you know, connect the Spirit with. This picture of fellowship with God, closeness with God. This is where we are approaching God. We are worshiping Him. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are a temple of God. And then that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that was read for us earlier talks about us as individuals, that the Holy Spirit is in us, that you've been bought with a price. We are to glorify God in your body because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is with us. God has fellowship with us. The Holy Spirit's been given to us so that we are to glorify God in our body. And sometimes a question comes up as well, is this a you know, literal physical indwelling that the God is literally dwelling in us? This is not so much as when people think that, they have this idea of, well, there's this feeling that we have. We can feel God with us. This is not what this is. This is an understanding that we have, that we have fellowship with God, we have a closeness with God because of what He has done, what He has promised, what He has given, and what we have done in response to that. We have been bought with a price, we recognize that, we are Christians, and our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, we are to glorify God in our body, we understand that, we recognize that. 
The Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us. Now, we more to talk about this in this lesson, I realize that we are going to have to continue this next week because we are have too much more to talk about. The, the Holy Spirit is a is a topic because there is a lot of confusion and questions and things that, that like that about it that we sometimes need to spend some more time talking about these things than than other to, or, or other topics. So Lord willing we're going to continue this lesson next week and finish this up. But this isn't important. I don't want to rush through the, the last points that we're talking about because this is an important topic. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a pledge, as a guarantee or as a down payment for the hope that we have of eternal life. This is what we're looking forward to. We are looking forward to that home in heaven. We're looking forward to eternal life. And God, in order to help us understand that this is what what I've promised you, and this is what I'm willing to do, this is what I'm preparing, He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, that you will have fellowship with me even now. We have fellowship with God. We have, we are able to approach Him. We're able to worship Him and know that He is with us. He is aware of us. He accepts this worship and all the things that, that we offer to Him. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have that relationship with Him, and we have hope of eternal life, that we can have that home that is not made with hands, that's eternal in the heavens, that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. We have that hope, and this is what helps anchor that for us. So, Lord willing, we'll continue this lesson next week as far as the Holy Spirit, because we haven't talked about how we then receive the Holy Spirit. And what happens to us, or what is the result when we do receive this pledge from God? Lord willing, we'll talk about all that next week as we wrap up, wrap up this subject. But as we close the lesson now for this, for this morning, we extend the Lord's invitation. We want to invite anyone who is not yet a Christian to become one. That the invitation was given on the day of Pentecost. For those people who recognize that Jesus is the Christ, that He is the Messiah, they didn't realize that when He was crucified, but they realized it then, and they asked, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them, Repent, that you should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can have that same benefit. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and have fellowship with God be added to the Lord's church and have hope of eternal life, you can do that today. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith, you can be baptized and have your sins washed away and have that hope that the Lord came to give. But we can help you do that to Do that here today. If you have done that and become a Christian but have not remained faithful, not continued in doing what you ought to do, not glorified God in your body, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, then make correction in your life. Pray to God and ask Him for forgiveness. And if we could help you or encourage you in any way, we would be more than happy to do that. But we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.